This is Synthetic A Priori, Episode 10. So today, instead of bringing a question that I'm chewing on or, or an idea for how to maybe connect some things, uh, today is more of an experience report or a process of, of digesting an experience. I, you could say maybe we did some field work and, and this is just some reflection on that. I had the chance this weekend to spend some time with some friends and apply a lot of the ideas from Christopher Alexander's work to a real building project. And this was amazing. And uh, I'm still kind of chewing on on what I learned from doing a physical project instead of kind of an abstract design problem. A few things stand out. Uh, the, the whole aspect of feeling that Christopher Alexander talks about is definitely present in something like software design but it is really um, palpable in, uh, in, a, in an actually architectural setting. Like if you're really laying out a room and, and you are figuring out the right proportions for that room, there is this weird thing that is just a fact that uh, you can be standing there so we, we, in this case, we were, we've got a big, big barn. The barn has a dirt floor. The barn was just completely full of junk. We, we hauled all the junk out and, uh, created this sort of play space and, uh, started using cinder blocks and some, some bunch of wood pallets that were lying around to mock up the dimensions of the rooms and the, the entryways to move between rooms and the, uh, the, the locations of the different things. And, you know, if you, if you're, if you're standing there and you're just talking, then it's easy to, for the conversation to wander off into questions about cost and questions about, um, uh, uh, material and, uh, all kinds of completely valid, uh, completely reasonable, uh, logistical issues. And you can talk through all of those logistics and all of those real problems and you can make a drawing that satisfies all of those problems. And, and, and insofar as it satisfies those problems, it's a really good design solution. And it might even, it might even have the bulk of, of, the, of the functional things kind of figured out. But there's one aspect of, of the what do we call it? The requirement set that isn't present in any discussion. And that is when I stand here, how do I feel? There's just nothing to say about that because it is indeed just a feeling. And so there were a lot of um, good discussions and there was also some very excellent um, initial planning done by by one person in our group who is who is experienced in 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 actual building projects. And 
once we had understood kind of all these logistical issues and cost issues and functional issues, we said to ourselves, okay, let's just see if these dimensions that are drawn here on this piece of paper are the right dimensions or not. How do we judge? Well, let's clear out this barn and uh, let's move some stuff around. And so there were about three hours of, 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 of clearing the stuff out with a, with, a, with a group of people and, uh, and feeling a little bit, uh, you know, satisfied from some hard work. Then, then the playtime began. And it's amazing because you can stand there. This is where I was trying to start a few minutes ago. You stand there in the middle of this mock space and a dirt floor with some cinder blocks around you that are showing where the, where the walls are or some pallets standing up here and there. And we are kind of almost like kids, you know, like playing, playing house or, you know what I mean? Like uh, you, you, you play that you are in the situation where you would be using this space and you, and you allow yourself to feel it. And one thing that was really interesting was that um, the way the space was oriented, it had this kind of rectangular shape and all agreed, man, this is too narrow. I feel like, uh, like I feel kind of like I want to get out. I feel a little bit like I can't relax here. And so we said, hmm, what can we do? Well, could we move that wall over there out a bit? And so we moved the wall out about, I don't know, a good, a good, maybe even, maybe it was about nine feet. And we sat there again and said, oh man, that's way too big. This feels, this feels like uh, lonely. Like it feels cavernous. We move it back. Yeah, okay, I mean, this is this is better, but I still have that feeling like it's I, a little too tight. I don't quite feel like we can stretch out here. Wait a minute, let's just move it. What if we just moved it three feet out? And we move it literally just the three feet out and everybody goes, ah. Oh. <laughs> a drawing can't do that. And... And not only can a drawing not do that, it's not a question of dimensionality. It's not that, you know, if we could make um, a better 3D model, then we would be able to tell. It's not the fact that we were just looking at a floor plan. It's the fact that we're not embedded in the drawing. And when we're not embedded in the drawing, then the drawing is an image. But when we are embedded in the mock-up when we're standing in it and we can feel you know how many arm spans are, are are stretching out to my right and my left until i hit the wall there is a a fitness test that is taking place between form and context that is not intellectual there's a fitness test that's happening there where i can feel the way that this, um, there's a whole bunch of unconscious processes that are, that are giving a feedback to the moment. And they, I, I, there are people who, who, who do work on trying to identify what those are to, to explain them in a way that is, that shows that there's some functional basis for all of this. Um, you know, analyzing the the cognitive or biological basis for an emotional reaction to the shape of a 
of a physical space is an interesting research process, project, but it's not a design problem. Uh, the, the fact is that when you stand there and, and, you, and, you, and you move the things around, this system, whether it's the perceptual system, the cognitive system, some biological thing, some, some, some deeply ingrained habitual responses uh, from the senses, this thing is firing back and it's sending messages and it's changing the level of hormones and, and, and there's something happening there. And this is information. It's a different type of information than the, the type of understanding that we have to arrive at to figure out what are the right rooms to even include in the building. You know, that is not a uh, uh, in-the-moment, embedded-in-the-mock-up feeling thing. That is a more cognitive thing. What are the types of activities that need to take place here? What are the things that we have to do? What are the cost considerations? And out of that, we do get a kind of high-level understanding of the main pieces of the puzzle. This is what our builder friend had done so well in preparation of this day when he and he had all, even made some very detailed CAD drawings. There was an entryway. The entryway was connected to the bunkhouse. The bunkhouse was connected to the meditation hall through the entryway, and there was a there was a bathroom and the the location of there were all these elements had relationships to each other that made a kind of very clear functional sense. But the question of their form, the question of their arrangement, the question of of how one space by shaping one space, you create a leftover space that something else kind of slots into. And then does all of that make sense together as a whole and do these new, what used to be one thing that had leftover space and now there's two things, do those two things strengthen each other and make sense as a unity? Like for example, there was this uh, hallway shape for the entryway in the original drawn plan. And it and and when we when we mocked it up by placing the pallets there, everyone said, "Wow, I love this space." It was it was like a hallway, but it was really wide. It was extra wide for being a hallway, and the proportions were just great. It just felt great. It was really nice, and uh, and the we, we kind of made the proportions for the main room that we were working on. And, and those turned out to be quite a bit different than, than the original drawing. Um, uh, but they were also quite a bit different from our speculative ideas for what else they could maybe be. It turned out to be a solution not, none of us had anticipated, but we got there by moving things around. And this entry space was there. The main, the main space was there. And then there was this question. There was a small bathroom that was supposed to be there. And we, we, we go into the hall and we happen to have like a plastic chair that became the toilet, right? So we sit this plastic chair there in the dirt where the bathroom should go. And it's immediately obvious, like, oh, that's never going to work. It looked completely reasonable on the plan. The plan satisfied all of the functional relationships and interdependencies that were known and articulatable at the level of, of, of design that you can do in that medium. 
But standing there in that hallway and looking at that plastic chair, we all said, no way. This totally destroys that, that thing that we liked so much about that hallway just went away. And something got interrupted there. Now, maybe somebody who, who's very experienced in laying out physical spaces could explain why. But what matters is that we got to the fact that there was a problem in the design by feeling it, not by looking at the drawing, because we all agreed the drawing looked very reasonable. It turns out that shaping the main room uh, created this kind of leftover space that we didn't know what to do with originally. But because of the sequence of the design problem, the main room needed to get shaped first. It was the main thing. So we just kind of allowed that there was some leftover space that we didn't understand. Now the main room is right. The entryway is right. The, the, we actually moved the door from the entryway into the main room. And moving that into a place that felt right created a whole new center where there was a really nice kind of a place for shoes and, and a bench to, to come in. And then we're looking ahead at this originally proposed bathroom location and saying, man, this is not right. But wait a minute, what about that leftover space? And we end up rotating the whole bathroom, putting it around a corner from where it originally was, and all of a sudden, click, click, click. The bathroom is in a better space. The space that the bathroom in is now kind of actually strengthens the hallway. And it not only keeps what was already good about it, but it reinforced what was good about it. It connected to the main room in a way that when you look at the volumes together, they're both stronger and this for me this was this was an incredible experience because um it made some things that alexander writes about about centers and wholeness and and so on and 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 structure preserving transformations and all this stuff it made it way more concrete One of the things that I've seen Alexander say in, in, uh, in, in, I don't remember where, but somewhere across those 15, 16 books was a refutation against this cliche phrase, form and function. The idea, what he was saying was form and function are not two different things. I mean, of course, you can take anything and you can kind of separate it in order to to analyze it and work with it. I think uh, what I'm maybe seeing a little bit better now is that uh, form has function. And good form has better function that fits the context. So it's not really form and function. Uh, function is maybe one... Um, you know, aspect of the requirements on the form. The thing that really surprised me and that I'm going to be chewing on for quite a while is the fact that we made some decisions purely on the basis of the form. What felt like it was purely on the basis of the form. It wasn't from the head. It wasn't from like, because it has to do this or because it shouldn't do that. I remember standing in the mocked up main room with these cinder blocks and pallets around and looking at the door and feeling this feeling in my chest of like, eh, I don't like that. And I remember saying, 
hey, is it all right if I try this? And and going and, and, and walking over and dragging that pallet through the dirt and propping, propping it up on a different cinder block and moving another pallet over and now the opening of the door is, is I don't know, six feet or nine feet further down from where it used to be. And then going, ah, oh, yeah, that feels better. Then walking through this kind of mock doorway into the entryway and looking at the new space that was created where the door used to be, now there's a kind of unbroken stretch of wall. And it was so obvious that that unbroken stretch of wall uh, was a useful space. Like, oh man, not only does this like look good and feel better, but clearly this is the place that the shoes go and the bench goes and this and that. And, you know, some post, some, some kiosk with the announcements or the news or whatever. This, this whole image of this functional space just kind of appeared all of a sudden. I'm sure you can analyze any of these things away. But the question, I think, isn't what can we say analytically about the design process. It can be useful, and it's something that I've done quite a bit on this podcast. We try to understand the design process so we can decompose it and factor it and break it apart into things that we can deal with separately to somehow do it better. But at the end of the day, the real question, I think, is what generates better designs? What do we do that gives us the answers, right? And sometimes the doing of something and the analyzing of something can really diverge. Uh, and this, this seems to be one of those cases where you can stand there and feel that it's not right and then move it. And then something that you can, after the fact, explain um, can be explained. <laughs> uh, but the, the explanation is not the cause. This is something fundamental, I think. Um, the, the cause of the change was something tacit that I couldn't articulate, but I could feel because of the uh, situation that had been constructed of standing there in the real situation with the mocked up elements. And it was all um, giving a feedback to the senses because everything was at the right scale with, with uh, the real proportions. This situation was able to give rise to a certain kind of feedback and a certain design idea that didn't have a theory behind it. It was feeling driven. And this is really something to chew on. And this is something that I've now, looking back at all of Alexander's work, I can, I can see this thread of feeling, feeling, feeling. Um, and, uh, and it's really surprising to make a call based on feeling and then see a lot of good function kind of come out as a side effect. I think I'll leave it uh, there today and continue to sort of chew on this and, and see where it leads. Uh, I'll say that I, um, I heard, uh, I had the chance to talk to a couple folks who were involved in the Building Beauty software initiative over the last couple weeks. Building Beauty is the uh, school uh, started by uh, uh, Christopher Alexander's wife, Maggie, and, uh, and some collaborators, uh, and kind of, uh, with his uh, blessing. 
and it's a school in Italy and uh, architecture students go there and they do a lot of hands-on work. And there's a huge emphasis on the fact that this is hands-on work of making tiles, of moving stones, of creating um, actual spaces. And um, I definitely appreciate much more why there is this emphasis on all this hands-on work. I had a theoretical idea about it before, but I have a much more physical idea of it now or a felt idea of it now. Um, and then there's this other thing, which is that... Um, they they announced something called the Building Beauty Software Initiative. And I don't know yet what that really entails, but I did hear uh, from a couple people involved in it that their intention is to uh, give software people an opportunity to do some real building and then out of this, get some understanding they can apply back to software. And this I'm very sympathetic to now. Um, it seemed a little arbitrary before, but I can see how there's something where all these concepts are easier to relate to uh, in a built situation. So I'll be very curious to see uh, what they put together with that and what comes out of that. So that's today's episode. You can find me on Twitter at RJS. My website is feltpresence.com. Check the show notes for references to people and works that were mentioned in this episode, and we'll see you next time.